Welcome to the CIO Agenda. I'm Sandy Rattray, CIO at Mangroove. Today, we're discussing what happened to Quant Equity in 2020. I'm joined by Ori Benakiva, Director of Portfolio Management at Man Numeric. So, Ori, how bad was Quant Equity performance in 2020? It was one of the worst years in recorded history for quant equity factor-based strategies going back to the global financial crisis and the TMT bubble. So historically bad. And if you look at quant equity, it seems as though it did rather differently to other quant strategies. So, for example, trend following the CTAs had quite a good year last year. Uh, The short-term, very short-term strategies mostly had quite a good year Uh, Emerging market strategies, uh, many of them had a good year too. So is there a link between what happened in quant equity with other quant strategies, or is it just a different thing? I think one thing that differentiates the strategies that struggled most last year is their reliance on fundamental factors in their process. I I think last year was a, a very challenging year for strategies that are trying to respond to recent fundamentals or to predicted fundamentals when the environment was so uncertain from a macro perspective. That said, there were some various differences depending on regions. Some regions held up reasonably better than, say, the U.S., for example. Okay, so let's let's come and talk more about regions in a minute. But before we do that, I think one of the things which has changed in fund management is many more people are talking about factors today than used to. Ten years ago, it was really just the quants. Now, discretionary equity managers as well as quant equity managers talk about factors. Do you think that has changed the landscape for factor-based investing, that they've become so much more part of the landscape? Yeah, so I, I agree that you know factors and the way they've been discussed have really become more pronounced, and, and that's for a number of different reasons. One, because they are typically easy ways of explaining what's going on in the marketplace, uh, you know, and using very common terminology, value, momentum, growth, leverage, etc. And also, I think just generally speaking, people's cognizance around risk management has improved quite significantly in recent years, not only just in the isolated to quants, but also expanding into the discretionary world. And, and that's led to a, a common vocabulary. One of the odd things is that while this is more based on risk management, it seems to have manifested itself in much higher volatility to these factors, particularly in recent years, which has proven more challenging for the systematic based strategies. Okay, so let's let's firstly talk about the factors and then we'll move to the geographies and the volatilities. So I think much discussed last year, of course, was the very poor performance of value as a factor. But there are other factors which suffered as well. So maybe take us through more broadly than just the summary. It was a bad year for value. What happened in factors? Last year, you could draw a lot of parallels from the factor landscape last year to what we saw during the TMT bubble. And that is across two dimensions. One, the volatility of the factors exhibited similar levels to what we saw back in the TMT bubble. And the second was the magnitude and the direction of the factor returns. So last year was a market that appreciated a very small subset of factors, growth, beta, momentum. And that came largely at the expense of factors such as value, which had its one of its worst recorded years. Uh, it was also a poor year for leverage. It was a, a poor year for any sort of defensive risk positioning. It was a poor year for the investment quality based factors. 
So in, and it was a very divergent year in terms of which factors were in favor and which factors were out of favor to an extreme level. And so, of course, if you got it right in terms of your factor weightings, it could have been an excellent year. And if you got it wrong, um, it would have been a very poor year. You mentioned earlier on that geography made a difference and that the U.S. was the worst place for some of these factors and outside of the U.S. was better. But take us through a bit what difference geography made to factor returns. Yeah, so one of the key differences would be just the growth profile of the market. The U.S. is a market that exhibits the highest percentage of growth companies, so that divergence between the growth winners and losers was quite pronounced. This is also true in emerging markets, although to a slightly less extent. And then when you get into markets like the European markets, you see far less of your standard high growth companies. Growth there is is, is sort of classified in, uh, not along the TMT dimension. And so that's one thing that's led to some differences. The other would be potentially this uh, the presence of high frequency traders, which are significantly more pronounced in the U.S. market, where they are arguably most active, and then less so in the remaining developed markets and, and far less so when you get into emerging markets. And that is also contributing to some of the regional differences and inefficiencies we observe. Okay, so there's just less growth stocks in outside of the U.S., and therefore the theme was less apparent in 2020. So when we think about value, uh, Ori, there are certainly uh, some people out there saying that almost nothing is cheap in the markets today, that equities are expensive and bonds are expensive but value itself, because it's done so poorly, is cheap. And now is uh, the worst time to give up and really a time to both persist and, and maybe even for some people increase their exposure. What's your response to that? I would agree with that, with that position. I think if you look at the various measurements of the opportunity for value uh, and mean reversion, they are at levels that are unprecedented and, and in some cases surpassing those in the global financial crisis. And if anything, you know, probably an opportunity to tactically overweight value in one's process. Now, timing in all these cases is extremely critical and extremely challenging. And, you know, this environment could be quite similar. So one of the criticisms of quant equity investors is that they're all too similar. And last year, when we looked at many quant equity investors, they seem to have relatively similar performance. So are they all too similar? And and to add a second part to that question, there was a big learning lesson, I think, from 2008 of excessive similarity. Did people learn the lesson of 2008? I think in some ways that's a bit of an unfair assessment of quantitative strategies. I think because of the, the common terminology and the common foundation that these strategies utilize, there is often this view that they are, are very much the same and hard to differentiate. But when you look at actual active returns of quantitative managers, there is some differentiation. There's a, a level of differentiation that, you know, is not that significantly different than discretionary managers. I think what has transpired, though, most recently is that the volatility the factor volatility of the most generic components uh, of, of quantitative investing, value, momentum, growth, has spiked to such a degree that to many cases it has swamped out some of the more idiosyncratic components in, in, in one's investment process. And that's definitely something that has been an issue for the numeric process over the last year. And when you mentioned sort of the learning lesson of 2008, uh, 2007, 
in attempting to differentiate oneself from one's peers, I think the primary lesson to take away from this recent period is to have a better methodology for risk management around the more common exposures to a quantitative strategy, such as the generic qualities of value and momentum. Okay, and you mentioned this point of higher volatility of factors a number of times. So this must be something that fits into how you construct your risk management for an equity portfolio. So are there risk management lessons from 2020 for quantitative equity investors? Yeah, I think the the most critical lesson learned is to be able to more effectively differentiate between the the common risk factor that is attributable to the bar-alike risk exposure, such as momentum and value, and not at the same time dampen the exposure to your idiosyncratic alpha sources. And one of the limitations for many quantitative managers in recent years is that in an attempt to dampen the impact of value and momentum volatility, it's come at the expense of the idiosyncratic components as significantly as it has at anything else. And that's the one area where I think there is significant room for improvement in the future. Okay. Now let's talk about last year from the perspective of these extraordinary regime changes that we had. We had the beginning of the pandemic when it was very unclear that it would become as bad as it would do. Then we had the recovery, which was, I think, much more rapid than many people thought. Uh, And then in November, we had the vaccine announcements that turned out to be much more positive outcomes than I think people expected. One criticism of quant equity strategies is that they're using backward-looking data, and they're not really very well prepared for these types of regime changes. So what's your response to that? I mean, and that is a, uh, you know, a fair criticism of quantitative strategies. And, and quite honestly, that's often why many managers pair them with discretionary managers that have more flexibility around these types of environments. You know, I think one of the big efforts afoot in the in the quantitative realm has been the area of now casting and trying to identify data sources that help us predict changes in fundamental factor, fundamental variables in advance of them being released to the public through financial statements or for example, and then running a more diversified process and a more risk managed process will also help alleviate some of the pain that we've seen with systematic strategies around these inflections. But generally speaking, systematic strategies can stumble around significant inflections in market sentiment, like we saw around the kind of the early days of the COVID crisis when the markets, when economies locked down. Uh, and then more recently in November after the Pfizer announcement. Okay, so now let's talk about the future. So what do you think will drive success for quant equity strategies in the future? Sticking with it, as we've talked about, you know, don't give up. Value is going to work in the end. Uh, things like alternative data expertise, there's been a lot of discussion of new data uh, sources as drivers of returns. Uh, ability to change, you know, being more nimble in the way that you described that discretionary managers are, and niches, sort of getting involved in more narrow uh, investing strategies than trying to outperform the whole world in equities. Where do you think the opportunities lie? In a little bit of all of the above, in that on some level, as we mentioned earlier, the, the opportunity for value appears to be significant at this point in time. And to completely eliminate exposure to kind of the more generic aspects of value at this point in time would be probably very poor from a timing perspective. So I think ultimately it comes down to be able to time some of the more generic factors 
and your exposure to them in your investment process, either on a tactical basis or on a trend following basis, while at the same time continue to invest in identifying more innovative, more idiosyncratic sources of alpha that offer a more attractive, consistent risk return profile. And long term, do you think it means less of the traditional factors and more of the alternative data sources in your portfolios? Yes, I think ultimately that is what it implies. I think it implies a a process that is really rooted in more alternative data sources or alternative techniques for analyzing data, such as machine learning, with less reliance on the common factors, with exposure to the common factors being more either expressed through tactical opportunities, such as an overweight to value currently, or through timing some exposure to them, but on a risk-conscious level. Let's talk about the size of the quant equity world for a few minutes. We haven't really dwelt on this. So we had enormous growth of quant equity in the mid-2000s, and then you had the crisis in 2008, which obviously was a very broad crisis, not just a quant crisis. More recently, you've had not as much growth in the quant equity managers, but you've had enormous growth in smart beta managers and alternative risk premium managers. So really two questions. Number one, did the whole industry just become too big? And number two, did any individual managers become too big? I think it's twofold. I think there are some managers that have probably overgrown their capabilities to add value on any consistent basis and are effectively just positioned to benefit from a tailwind in these factors from asset growth. And then there's also some broader reflection that we should take as an industry, which is the timing of exposure to these approaches. Inevitably, as we've seen in every cycle, quant managers will struggle at some point like they did in the global financial crisis or the TMT bubble, and investors will allocate away from quantitative managers. And typically that predates a a very attractive and rich environment for those strategies. And then we see the flows coming in at an opportune time. And it's, it's really about taking a much longer term view of the benefit of these factor based strategies or even our, you know, as we endeavor to be more idiosyncratic alpha sources and their complementary nature to other strategies. Okay. And, and just without revealing all your trade secrets, what are the data sources that are most exciting to you looking forwards? What, what are the ones which will make a difference? Quite a bit of data in the e-commerce realm and transaction based realm as well as data that is related to kind of uh, more government-driven data demands around export-based information, trying to capture information from retail activity through margin trading or through, say, the connect-based information in the the China A spectrum. You know, I think those are kind of the, the more interesting areas so far that we've seen from an alternative data source. But from a technique-based approach, you know, the improvements in natural language processing and the increase in applicability of machine learning-based approaches to factor selection are all very exciting areas as well. Great. Well, thank you very much, Ari. You know, in summary, stick with value. Not all quants are the same. And a few lessons to learn at managing risk when uh, equity factors uh, become more volatile. But I think your key message is stick with it. So thank you, Ori, for joining us. Thank you to all of our audience for joining us today. Uh, The recording of this session will be available on Man Institute and soon on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you download your podcasts. Thank you and goodbye. Mm